perfect precursor for what we're going to be talking about tonight because we know that the teaching is that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, how do we get faith, though? Romans says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So tonight we're talking about the power of confessing God's Word. And, um, man, this is one of my favorite ones because we get to talk about some of my favorite texts of Scripture and some of my the heroes of faith. Um, they're the stories that I think we all grow up on, but sometimes we forget how powerful they are. So we're going to be going through a lot of stuff on David and Daniel and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all of the just powerful stories that we grew up on. But uh, let's start with prayer real quick. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you're right here in the midst of us. Where two or three gathered, there you are in the midst, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you open up our minds to understand, our ears to hear. And Father, that everything that is sowed tonight, Father, that it would fall on good ground. And Lord, that we would actually take it home and we would implement it and put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. You know... Before we get into confessing the word, I think we have to address first of all, you got to you got to you, you can't give away what you don't have. If the word isn't in you, you can't confess it. Right? So the first thing we have to do is we have to be not be aware that we need to be putting the word of God in us continually. It doesn't need to be something that we take half-heartedly or we we think about after the fact it's the last thing that i think about in my day we need to be actually feeding the word of god to our spirit every chance we get throughout the day um i came across something that i want y'all to write down and it's been very helpful i've been using it for the past six months and it has really just it's been just so helpful memorizing verses because I don't have the best memory sometimes with verses. I kind of, I kind of, yeah. So the first thing I want you to write down, R-W-S-S-P. R-W-S-S-P. What this stands for, is this means read it, write it, Say it, sing it, and then pray it. When you read the Word of God, when you're going through there, if you will use this technique, I promise you, you will actually begin to take your Scripture into a different level of understanding. I don't know what it is about it, but it has opened some things up in me. Like when I read in the mornings, I'll pick one Scripture, and then on the way to work, I sing that Scripture. Over and over and over again, I'll just sing it. And for some reason, it's helped me to keep the Scripture. I don't, I don't know what it's done, but it's done that. And so I would encourage all of you to take this technique and start to apply it. Um, when, when we say say it, I want you all to think about, though, declaring the Word of God over your life. To truly take the Word, what it says... If it's something like, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. How about actually declaring that over your life? Out loud. Say it. Speak it. It's so important that the Word of God is actually alive in us. That we realize it's not words on a page, it's a person. John 1.14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. It's a person. It's Jesus. And if we read that word to get to know Jesus as a person, it changes how we do things. It changes the way we react with the word of God because we realize it's Jesus we're learning about. It's Jesus that we're talking to, that we're speaking to. And it's it's just an empowering thing in our lives. So the first thing we have to do is we have to recognize the need to learn the word of God. Okay? This is where it all starts. You're not going to have a powerful faith. You're not going to walk in in strong belief until you get a hunger for the Word of God. 
You can try to skip that step your entire life. But I promise you, you will never become a mature believer of Jesus Christ until you get into that Word and you learn it. And you don't learn it through your pastor, your Wednesday night teachers, but you get in there and you learn it for yourself. Because that will change the way you do life with Jesus. Then you're not waiting on someone to tell you what you already know. I don't need someone to come and tell me what God wants from me. You know why? I know what He said. He said that to me just the same as He said that to you. I know what the Word says I'm supposed to be doing, how I'm supposed to be living, what I'm supposed to be saying, and what I'm not supposed to be saying. How do I know it? Because I've seeked, I've sook Him out in His, his Word. And I take His Word at, as the truth. Even when it doesn't actually line up with what I want, which is often the case. I don't know if y'all have that experience. I read stuff and go, is that, come on, Lord. <laughs> Let me look at another version real quick and see if, yeah, that's a typo. There's no typos in the word, okay? I've, trust me, I've probably looked for them a hundred times. There's no typos in there. It is what it is. Whether we like it, whether it makes us uncomfortable, whether it demands change in how we live and how we, how we talk to one another, interact with each other, we have got to conform to His Word. The Word does not conform to us. I want to say that again. We have to conform to His Word. The Word is not meant to conform to us and how we want to live. We've got a lot of that in the modern church today. Right? I mean, I know I'm not the only one who senses that and sees that. We cherry-pick the Scripture that we like, usually about blessing and prosperity, and we skip over all the other stuff that is so important about dying to yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus at all costs. And that it's actually easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. We don't want to talk about that. We don't really want to discuss that. Because that requires something of us beyond the prosperity message. We make grace real cheap. And that's, that's a shame. Because there's more to grace than what we've made it. So, moving into this. The power of belief. God's Word was given to us not just for ourselves, but to bring truth, hope, and love to the lost. In Mark 16 and 15 it says, Then He told them, Go and preach the good news to everyone in the world. Say everyone. Does that mean the person you don't like at work? Yeah. Does that mean the person you don't like in your family? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Lord, help me. It means everyone. It's not a typo. Everyone. You know, it's so easy sometimes, you know, like Jesus said, it's easy to love those who love you. It's easy to, to serve those who are so ready to serve you back. But it really takes character. And it takes true commitment to Jesus to serve people who hate you, who could care less about you, and will never serve you. No matter what you do for them. But guess what? That's who God called us to. <laughs> and we kind of miss that sometimes. Because that's the people that through our serving in love without any kind of agenda other than love, those are the people that Jesus is calling to come. But what happens a lot of times is we get the huddle effect. And we say, well, I get along with this group. So I'm just going to huddle here 
And I'm never going to impact anybody outside of this group because this group is the only group of people that I like, I trust. And that that is contrary to the Gospel. See, we're the light of the world. We're supposed to go into the world to preach the Gospel. But we can get all too comfortable doing our normal whatever it be, whether it's with our church family, whether it's with our biological family, whatever it is. I challenge you, as we're going through this, the Word's going to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone, to move away from where you're comfortable, and to actually believe God in situations that you know you need God. Because you can't do it on your own. And you can't get there without Him. Because that's the only place He's at. That's the only place you get to actually walk in relationship with Jesus. It's important that we see the world proceed, that the Word preceded the supernatural. Meaning that God is waiting for us to release His Word in faith in order to birth supernatural transformation in the lives of the lost and broken. You know, So many times we're wanting God to do supernatural acts amongst us. But we have not spoken the word over the situation. We have not brought the word to allow for that to happen. One is dependent upon the other. In Mark 16 and 20 it says, And they went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them and confirming the Word through the accompanying signs. Confirming the Word. We skip that that part of that verse. He confirms the Word through the supernatural. But the Word has to come first. He has to have something to confirm. If we're preaching about healing, guess what? It gives Him the opportunity to bring healing. If we're preaching about prosperity, it, it allows him the opportunity to bring prosperity. I'm not saying I'm against prosperity. That's part of the message. It's a very real part of the message. But it's like most things, it gets way, way, way out of what the context of what it is supposed to be. It's out of its balance. And so... We have to make sure we're actually confirming, we're given the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to confirm His Word. Make sure the Lord is working with you, co-laboring with you. Because when you do it by yourself, the Word will lack the supernatural power to transform. Man, that statement right there is the condition of most of the church right now. we got a lot of, of people trying to work without the leading of the Holy Spirit and without the Word going forth. And because of that, the power is removed. So we're seeing a whole lot of nothing that God said, not only said, but He showed is possible through Jesus. Because do you truly believe the Word when He says, greater things will you do in My name? Do you believe that? Because if you do, then you've got to think that every day you wake up should be a day like Jesus had. And I'm, not, I'm, 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 I'm telling you that, man, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get there myself to where I truly believe that. Because if I truly believe that, then when I get on the elevator, I'm looking for somebody. I'm always on a mission. See, Jesus was, was always on a mission because He was always hearing from the Father. Everything was an, an invitation for God to move. Even when He was doing something that His mother told Him He had to do. Right? His first miracle wasn't His choice. His mom told Him to do it. 
But guess what? He went ahead and invited the Lord to go ahead and get glory in the situation. And so that's what we have to do. We have to always be ready to invite the Word to come and have its way in our life. When preaching or confessing the Word is coupled with faith and belief, the supernatural power of God is released. Signs don't follow an individual. They follow the preaching and confessing of the Word. Matthew fourteen twenty eight through 31 says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was, was boisterous and he was afraid, he began to sink and cry out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? I want you to, to, to hear Peter answered and said, If it's you, command me to come to you on the water. In other words, send your word. I'm not going to do anything until you send your word. Very important. We cannot walk on water. We can do nothing supernatural outside of the word of God being sent to us. If you try, I guarantee you, you're going straight to the bottom. We all will. We have got to hear from the Lord. We have got to have the Word of God in us and working and speaking to us fresh every day. The Word is a living thing. The, those Scriptures are alive. They're alive. They speak to us every time we get in a situation, those Scriptures come back to us and say, this is really what I've said about your situation. This is really what I've said about who you are. This is really what I've said about that person that hates your guts. The Scriptures are always talking to us. Jesus lovingly corrected Peter for doubting the Word. See, when we believe the lie, we empower the liar. There's someone else that's sending His Word. There's another voice out there. And if you don't know the difference, if you don't tune your ear to the right frequency, you'll hear the lie and you'll empower the liar. Unbelief prevents heaven's authority from being released. See, when we get our eyes off of Jesus, when we get our eyes off of the Word, because we know Jesus is the Word, when we get our eyes and our focus away from that, then that then unbelief comes and settles in. And it's very subtle. You know, I don't think any of us go and be like, man, I, I'm, just, I'm just drowning in unbelief today. You know? I don't think any of us have that aha moment on a regular basis. Like, it's subtle. It's, it's something where we start settling for things that are not in the Word of God because we don't see it happening like we want to see it. But we learn that faith is not by sight, right? It's not by what we're seeing. It's by what He has said. It's, it's all about the Word. The next section is the 12 spies. It's one of my favorite favorite stories in the Bible. In Numbers chapter 11, God told Moses to send 12 spies, one from each tribe of Israel into the land of Canaan. And the spies were to report back on whether the land was inhabitable or not. Ten of the spies brought back a report that recognized the blessing upon the land, but said that the inhabitants were too strong for them to conquer. But then spoke Caleb and Joshua, saying, Joshua and Caleb, 
tore their clothes in sorrow and said, We saw the land ourselves, and it's very good. If we obey the Lord, we will surely, He will surely give us the land rich with milk and honey. So don't rebel. We have no reason to be afraid of the people who live here. The Lord is on our side, and they won't stand a chance against us. Man. I love how two out of twelve. Isn't that how it always is? I mean, really. It's generally that way. It's usually about two people, sometimes one person out of a group, that will see things the way God sees them. And it's directly because Caleb's and Joshua's connection to the Word of God and to what God had said. See, God had already told them that they're going into that land. It's their land. So in their hearts, that's theirs. Because they believed His Word. You have to to know the Word. You have to know what God has said in order to believe in it. All the men of Israel over the age of 20 because they believed the report of the ten unfaithful spies died in the wilderness unable to enter God's promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb were allowed to enter because their great faith. Joshua was even promoted to the place of Moses leading the children of Israel into the promised land. And Caleb received a large inheritance within the promised land and was strong and healthy even in his old age. In the book of Hebrews chapter, chapter 4, 1 through 2, Paul warns us not to make the same mistake of those who died in the wilderness. It says, The promise to enter the place of rest is still good, and we must take care that none of you miss out. We have heard the message just as they did, but they failed to believe what they heard, and the message did not do them any good. You know that God is still moving us into His promised land? The prayer is on earth as it is in Let me tell you, until I look out the door and I see heaven on earth, we haven't arrived. According to Jesus, and I think He's the, uh, the good word on that. <laughs> yeah. heard someone say, you know, why do you think we need to follow Jesus? Well, I think He's the only one that knows where we're going. I mean, it's, it's probably not any more, you know, difficult than that one. So it comes down to whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? There's an old song that we sing all the time in the church. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. There is a million things that the devil is always telling you that's contrary to what God has spoken. And I'll tell you something even that even more disturbing, that the devil quoted Scripture exactly to Jesus. So can you know Scripture and still not know the Word? According to Scripture. Yeah. We have to be in relationship to Jesus. We have to know His Word. How we see ourselves will determine the choices that we make. Are we sons or are we slaves? Are we saints or are we sinners? Numbers 13.33 says... There we saw the giants, the descendants of 
Anak, who came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in, in our own sight. And so we were in their sight as well. How we see ourselves is exactly how everyone else sees us. Listen, you can't go out and have an impact in the world for Jesus if you don't see yourself as a son and a saint. If you still see yourself as a sinner saved by grace, love that saying. I read that all the time in Scripture. Oh, you're just a sinner saved by grace. Boy, I hate that lie. That makes me mad in ways I can't even tell you. I bought that lie for a long time. It's been a lot of my life thinking I was a sinner just saved by grace. Making me completely ineffective. And keeping me from my rightful place as a son and as a saint. Don't do that to yourselves. Don't allow others to do that. When you hear someone talking that nonsense, it's time to bring some word in love because the truth sets people free. And it's time for us to stop doing that apathetic stuff and saying, yeah, I guess we are just sinners saved by grace. That guy died. He's dead. And I'm pretty sure Scripture tells us that we're not supposed to be having correspondence with the dead. Ain't that in the Scripture? So, when you're relating yourself to that dead man... Just remember, what does that say about Jesus and what He's done? Don't be deceived. And don't see yourself that way. Listen, don't see yourself less than what God sees you. You can't afford one day of seeing yourself as less than what Jesus paid for. You want to know your value? You remember Jesus and what He did. You remember what he suffered. You remember how he went and he fought for us. And he rose in victory for us. And he said, I did it for you. That's pretty valuable. I have a son. And I don't think I ever understood the depth of that sacrifice from God the Father until I had a son. Because the thought of sending him to die for people who hate him, reject him, and want nothing to do with him. I don't know. I, I don't think I could do it. I know I probably couldn't. But thank God He loves us so much He did. You're valuable. The power of David's thoughts. David was faced with the same choice when he faced the Philistine giant. Goliath had intimidated the entire nation of Israel, mocking God openly on a daily basis. Man, don't you feel like God's being mocked on a daily basis nowadays? I mean, you can't even turn on the TV for two seconds without someone just openly mocking the people of God and God in one way or another. God, give us some Davids in this nation, in this world. David refused to receive the message that the giant was more powerful than God. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 through 51, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, with spear, and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, 
whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcass to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and slung it. He struck the Philistine in the forehead, so that the stone sank into the forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him, and stood over him, took the sword and beheaded him. I love this story. I love this story. The whole nation, the whole army of God is shaking in fear from this one man, this one giant. And here comes this shepherd boy, not even a trained soldier. And he's the only one that can see what God has said about the situation. He's the only one that sees it. And I love that it says that when he had committed to it, he ran towards Goliath. He didn't hesitate. He didn't think, well, okay, God, if if it's your will, I guess I'll go. You pushing a little harder? Okay. Because I do that. I'll be honest with you. I do that with God a lot. Lord, you want me to do that? Okay. Give me a push. Maybe a little more. God's calling us to be like David, though. To hear what he said and run to accomplish his will on the earth. Not to hesitate. Not to doubt. Not to worry. Not to allow fear to to change how we feel about the situation or what we're supposed to do. Whose report will we believe? The word of the Lord empowers us to run towards the threat and to gain victory over it. The faith formula in action is the next section. Mark 5, 25-34 says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I can touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Immediately the fountain of of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed from the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. Now stop here for a second. Do you think Jesus was out of power all of a sudden? Like, oh, yeah, she drained me. Get a refill. No. Out of all that group, though, that was pressing Jesus, he noticed when one person came with him, came to him with faith, and made a withdrawal. Man, that that is that is awesome. Jesus turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You see the multitude. And you said, Who touched me? You know, I just think these guys had to be awesome guys. You know, like, like Jesus, really? Come on now. It's like a thousand people's touching you right now. You're asking me, Who touched you? Gosh. He looked around to see her who had done the thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace 
and be healed of your affliction. Faith in His Word allows us to make a withdrawal that causes God to stop and recognize us. I want you to to hear what the woman did before she went and touched Him. What did she say? What did she declare? If I will but touch His clothing, I will be healed. How did she know she'd be healed if she just touched His clothing? She had to have known the Word, what the Word said about the healing power of God. Right? There had to have been something activated in her that made her think, if I will just touch His garment, I'll be made whole. It is simply hearing and receiving the good news and having the faith to act upon it, that truth that releases the power of God in our lives. The battle is won or lost by how we receive God's Word. Either we receive it by faith or by fear. You know, I think of the ten spies. They had the same commission. They were all commissioned to do the same thing. They all heard the word to go in. But ten of them were moved by fear. And two of them were moved by faith. So whose report will you believe? 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6 says, The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for the demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for the smashing of warped philosophies, the tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. I love the message's version of that scripture. The Word is what gives us the power to destroy the works of the enemy on this earth. It is the power. I always, I always have that corny flashback to Star Trek where the guy's like, give me more power, you know, and Scotty's down there beating on stuff. Giving it all she's got, Captain, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I do that in prayer sometimes. Lord, I need more power, Lord. I'm giving you all I've got. I gave you all I got. And he did. He gave me all he got. Becoming a bold confessor. Some heroes of the faith. All biblical heroes of faith boldly confessed God's word. They often lead to their death. Confession in this sense is simply a statement of your beliefs. But here's the thing. Do you know what you believe? You know, a lot of times uh, the church has you know, on their website or in their, their formal documents, we believe these things. But do you know what you believe? Because when you're out there in the world and you're facing down the enemy, you need to know what you believe. And you need to know who you believe in. I don't know if y'all remember in Scripture, but in Acts, Paul sent some some of his guys went out to to face down a a, a, a demon. And the demon basically looked at him and said, Hey, I know Paul. I know Peter. I don't know who you chumps are. And he basically just drove them away. Like, get out of my face. If you don't know the Lord, the devil will eat your lunch. 
every day. That's why we have got to know the Word. We have got to build our lives around His Word. We have got to know Him. It wasn't that Paul and Peter and all those other guys were just special guys. That, that's, not, that's not the Gospel. That's not the Gospel. I pour my flesh upon all... I pour my spirit upon all flesh... You want to know why you see people that are outright haters of God, but they, are, they move in the gifts of the Spirit like nobody's business? Have you all ever wondered why? Because He poured His Spirit on all flesh. It didn't say on saved flesh. It didn't say on <laughs> believers. He said, I poured my Spirit upon all flesh. So you wonder why people are moving in the gifts of the Spirit. They're prophetic. They do all kinds of things, but they use it in manipulative ways. And they do things in the ways that it was never intended. And you go, how in the world is this guy moving that? And it's obvious he doesn't even love Jesus. He has no relationship with him. Well, guess what? Jesus loves us so much that he poured it out freely to everyone. Everyone has access. No one's left out in the cold. We have to make the choice, though. Are we going to go ahead and believe what He said and do it His way? Are we going to go ahead and just take it upon ourselves to make the rules and to do it our way? Because that's what every choice comes down to that. Even back to the garden. Every choice is choosing, is what God said the truth or do I have a better way of doing things? Every choice comes down to that. So, the important thing is, we talked about the very first night we met, about, you know, revealed knowledge versus communicated knowledge. The, the important thing is that you get some revealed knowledge in your life. That you know what God has said. Because if you know what God has said, then you can make that choice much easier because you know what God has said. Got to get the word in us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Probably, yeah, we'll destroy these names. The brave young man of faith refused to kneel before King Nebuchadnezzar than the false god of gold he made. They boldly confessed, saying, O Nebuchadnezzar, we, need no, we have no need to answer to you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the God, the gold image which you have set up. Man. But even if we burn in this fire, even if, let me tell you something. I will not bow my knee. I love this story. I love the attitude of faith that these men have. You know, even if, how many times do we go in situations and say, Lord, even if you do not show up and heal, I'm going to pray. Even if I look like a fool, I'm going to obey your word. Even if. Even if. The good news is that Jesus did show up. It says, Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments. They were cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. And therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot the flame of the fire killed those men and took who took up Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and these three men fell down in the midst of the burning fiery furnace but then king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke saying this to his counselors did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire 
They answered and said to the king, True, king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. God's glory will always be seen when we partner with faith instead of fear and intimidation. Listen, every day, every day that we're walking in this fallen world, the enemy is trying to get us to bow our knee. Every single day. When you wake up in the morning, the enemy is trying to get you to bow your knee to something. And it may not be as obvious as a golden statue. It might be a TV issue. I'm just, I'm just going to hit some points here, okay? Because these are things I struggle with. Because I know when I get up in the morning, I have a choice to make. I can go read my word like I know I'm supposed to. Because that's what the Lord has told me to do. Or... I can go and just flip on that TV and, you know, just veg out for 30 minutes before work. One is bowing my knee. It may not be a gold statue, but it does light up. Daniel. Daniel's another great example of boldly standing for God in the face of an angry king. Daniel refused to obey King Darius' decree that he not to pray to any god but Darius for thirty days. Daniel could not only did not only continue to pray, but he did it three times a day in front of the window for everyone to see. I l- <laughs> These guys are awesome, man. Like, <laughs> in a modern day Christian church, we would be happy with ourselves if we just found a hole to hide in and pray. We would pat ourselves on the back and think we've done a good thing. But Daniel said, not only am I going to pray, I'm going to have this massive window where everybody can see me praying to my God. Man, faith and the Word makes you bold and courageous. It gives you a strength that is supernatural. It makes you someone who is fearless. And that is the kind of person that God has created each one of us to be. Not just Daniel, not just David, not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Every believer in Jesus should be bold and courageous when it comes to our faith and our service to Jesus. The last one we're going to talk about tonight. One more thing about Daniel I want to mention though. God God honored Daniel's courage and he ended up actually killing those who conspired against Daniel. I think sometimes we forget some of the best ways to get rid of those people that are doing everything in their their power to destroy you is to be obedient to God. Because they will literally hang themselves. If you read the book of Esther, you see that. If you read Daniel, you see that. They will literally kill themselves trying to destroy a son or daughter that is obedient. There's a power, there's such power in walking with the Lord. Stephen, Stephen faced the most ruthless of enemies, the religious. Acts 7, 51-53 says, You stubborn and hard-headed people, You are always fighting against the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestors did. Is there one prophet that your ancestors didn't mistreat? They killed the prophets who told 
about the coming of the one who obeys God. And now you have turned against him and killed him. Angels gave you God's law, but you still don't obey it. (laughs) That's pretty bold confession, guys. And Stephen paid with his life. God has called for us all to lay down our lives and follow, trust, and believe in Him. You know, the great thing about the story of Stephen is not that he got stoned to death, but it's that it's the only place in Scripture where you see that the heavens were opened and the Lord standing looking down at what's going on in Stephen. See, even if, even if, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. You can kill this body a hundred times, I don't care. My spirit will live forever with Jesus. What Stephen did allowed for the church, I believe, I believe there was a momentum caused by that death that we will never I probably understand until we get to heaven. I'm, I'm betting that Stephen has one heck of a mansion. I, I, I would bet maybe even a whole city. <laughs> what, what amazing faith. God has called, or God, give God the opportunity to show His glory, power, and honor through your own bold confession of faith. You know, I was, I was just on Facebook a few days ago, and someone I, I follow and I, I really like him. He's a good, good man. And I, I really, I really just enjoy him. But he mentioned about. He responded to someone about faith because he was seen praying, praying upon, you know, with another um, group of people. They were praying over the food. So someone asked him publicly on his Facebook, are you a believer? You believe. And his response was, what I do or do not believe in is I keep private. It's my private faith. And everybody just honored that like crazy, man. It was like honor, 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 honor. Everybody, yeah. Man, way to go, way to go, man. Keep that private. Yeah, you don't owe nobody an explanation for nothing. But you see, there's a problem with that. Because Jesus says, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Now, either the word is right, or this really good man who I have a lot of respect for, and still do, is right. And there's a lot of compromise in this kind of stuff nowadays. And everybody wants to be honoring. But who is on that thread going to tell? This man, hey, if you believe in Jesus, you better say you believe in Jesus. If someone asks you if you believe in Jesus, you better say, yes, He's the Lord of my life. He's the rock upon I built. He's everything. And I am nothing without Him. You better have an answer. And it's not a private one. You better be willing to suffer Whatever comes after that, because that anything less than that is, is not worthy of what Jesus has done. It's just not worthy. Jesus deserves all or none of it. He says, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. If you're hot or cold, he'd rather us be ice cold. Dude, can you believe that? He'd rather you be ice cold than lukewarm. 
now, now we're getting into some, some deep stuff at the end here. Turn the fire up. Get hot. Get hot for Jesus. Listen, this life is short. The Bible says it's like a vapor. I'm, I, the older I get, the more I understand that Scripture. Every year that goes by, I go, wow. When I was a kid, I could not wait till I'd be 16 and drive a car that thought it would never come. And I couldn't wait till I graduated high school and thought it would never come. And I'm coming up on 20-year high school reunion. Like, hey, let's, let's slow down a little bit here. <laughs> it's time, you know, I don't mind walking that bad. I'd like to go back sometimes. No bills and all that good stuff. It's going fast. We don't got time to be apathetic about the gospel. We don't have time not to boldly confess what we believe. And we don't have time not to know what we believe. That is why we're here. That is why this foundation course exists. Is because we must know the Word of God. The Word of David the Word of Greg, the Word of John, none of that will help you accomplish your God-given mission and to live out your God-given identity. But one word, one word from God will change everything. If we are unwilling to lose our lives whether in battle like David or in peaceful protests like Daniel, we will not live in the promises of God, but we will simply die in the wilderness of unbelief and fear. I'm going to read that one more time. If we are unwilling to lose our lives, whether in battle like David or in peaceful protests like Daniel, we will not live in the promises of God, but we will simply die in the wilderness of unbelief and fear. An entire generation, an entire generation of people missed out on an opportunity to move into God's promises. And I, 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 I would say even now we have an entire generation of people that are missing an opportunity to move into the promises of God for today, for right now. I have never in my life seen revelation being poured out like it is today in the church. But we have a choice to make. We can either hold on to our old wineskins and our old way of thinking, or we can get some new wineskins given to us by God and His Word, and we can get ready for the new wine that's being poured out. Because let me tell you, if you hold on to those old wineskins and God pours new wine into them, they will burst. You will not be able to contain it. But I promise you, if you'll seek out God in, in the Word and you'll let Him mold you and conform you and change you into His image and change you into the vessel that He wants you to be in this time, in this moment, in this day, You'll be able to handle anything that He gives you. And the world is desperate. is desperate for us to begin to confess the truth without apathy or apology. You know, we call it politically correct nowadays. You know, don't offend anybody. Let me tell you, Jesus was the most offensive person to ever walk the planet. To the point where it got him killed. He didn't have any qualms with offending people. He still doesn't. He just offended me this morning, to be honest with you. I got to get over it. Because he tells me the truth. When nobody else wants to tell me the truth. He tells me the truth. And He sets me free. 
Nobody else can do that for me. Nobody else can do that for you. You have to hear the truth. And you have to be able to speak it when you need to speak it. You can't give away what you don't possess. So tonight, as, as we close, as we, <clears throat> as we leave this place, I just challenge you to really ask those questions. What do I believe? In whose report do I believe? Because the truth is, is we're either believing His report, the devil's report, or our own report. Only one of those leads us where we need to be. And sometimes it can get really foggy on which one we're walking out. Especially if we're not constantly being centered in His Word and being washed by the water of the Word. See, that's the wonderful thing is it, it cuts. It's, it's like that two-edged sword. It, it cuts, but it also heals. It's the only offensive weapon that God gave us is His Word. If you don't want to live on the run, if you don't want to live defensive your whole life, if you ever want to take ground for the Lord and for His kingdom, you're going to have to pick up the Word of God and you're going to have to move forward with it. You're going to have to say, I don't care if I look like a fool for it. I don't care what it, it goes against culture or society. It doesn't matter. Even if, Lord, even if. And I pray that every day, every day that that would ring through your mind from this day point, even if, Lord, even if I lose my friends, even if I lose my family, even if I lose my reputation, whatever that is for you, even if, Lord, I, I lay it down for you. I die. Every day, pick up your cross and follow Him. Because that's the only way to live this life. There's no shortcuts to the kingdom. There's no shortcuts. There's no other way. There's a lot of things being taught out there, but I promise you, there's only you got to you got to pick up your cross. You got to die to yourself, and you got to follow Him, and you got to say, Lord, I'll I'll do what you say when you say to do it. Um, I think that was the best advice I ever got from somebody in my entire life. I, I think he was in ministry for like 50 years, and I asked him, I was probably 17 years old when I asked him, what's the secret, what, what's the one thing you would tell me about walking with the Lord? And he said, listen, listen for His voice, and when you hear it, obey it. Without delay, obey it. He says, if you do that, you'll get where you need to be. And I believe that. Listen for the Word of God. God is still speaking. Amen? God is still speaking. He has a rhema word for you and for your life, for your situation today. It has to conform and it has to line up with the written Word. But there is a rhema word for you today and a relevant word for you today. So don't forget that. Keep your ears open. Keep your heart open. Because the Lord is, is speaking. He is speaking. And He is desiring that we start moving and expanding the kingdom and having dominion like we were designed for. But the only way we do that is through His Word. So... I'm just going to close this in, in prayer real quick. Father, I thank You for tonight. I thank You for Your Word, Lord. I thank You for You, Jesus, that You lived it before us, God. You gave us the example. And Lord, I just pray as we leave here tonight, Father, that, that no one feels condemnation, no one feels shame, no one feels anything, Lord, but convinced of Your goodness, convinced of the need that we have for Your Word in our lives, God. I pray, Father, that you would begin to speak to us, Lord, 
that you'd start revealing the mysteries of heaven, the mysteries of the kingdom, God, that you would begin to start moving us forward, God, that you would grow us into the fullness of our maturity, that we would no longer be tossed to and fro, but God, that we would be strong and able to endure to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, um, so next week is our last, our last week really for the class.